You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. You know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in literally just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed, which is great because there's really nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek is going to help you get closer to the action for a great value. I used SeatGeek myself last basketball season here in Dallas to get tickets to go see Yogi Ferrell play, and I used them this offseason to buy my wife concert tickets so I can vouch for them from personal experience. They are my go-to app when I need tickets. SeatGeek saves me time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and they can do the same for you. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 48th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 340th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, October 12th, 2017. I am your host, Jared Morris. Let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. You know, it was a mostly quiet week on the news front for the current Hoosiers, both for the team and in terms of recruiting. And in one sense, that is banner moment worthy, since any news at this point would most likely be negative. But it was a busy week of news for former Hoosiers who are currently in the NBA and engaging in preseason games. With the addition of OG Ananobi, Thomas Bryant, and James Blackman Jr. to NBA rosters, the total number of Hoosiers in the NBA is now a robust nine. And while I couldn't find updated numbers for this year, as of October 2016, so last year at this time, nine would have placed the Hoosiers in ninth in terms of colleges with the most players currently in the league. And that's an important list to keep rising up. Recruiting elite-level talent that expects to make it to the NBA, as we know, is a key to winning big in college basketball. And obviously, it helps you recruit elite-level players when you can point to other players who have gone through your school and made it to the NBA. The path to achieving the ultimate dream becomes more crystal clear for players and for their parents. And while eight of the nine current NBA players were coached by Tom Crean, 
with grizzled vet Eric Gordon being the exception, Archie Miller can still point to the success of all these former Hoosiers in the NBA when he's talking to the likes of Romeo Langford, Darius Garland, Keon Brooks, Trenton Watford, and others. No, Indiana's success in getting players to the NBA might not yet compare with Kentucky, Duke, and Kansas, but the trend, five new pros in the last two years and eight in the last four, shows that IU is on that path. And Archie can say, with examples aplenty to point to, who's next? All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. He is a man who is already getting misty-eyed as a cold, hard realization hits him like a ton of bricks. This episode marks the last time that we will be doing a season preview for senior guard Robert Johnson. It is, in fact, the first of many lasts that the Robert Johnson fan club will experience as Rojo takes his final lap around Bloomington. Andy Bottoms, how you holding up? Well, between that and the fact that we're recording this during the Eagles game on Thursday night, I'm a, a bundle of nerves, but I'm, <laughs> I'm doing my best. All right. And what is your bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Uh, you know, like you said, it, it's been a pretty quiet week. It it actually has been, uh, you know, as we I was prepping a little bit for this, it, it, you know, each week it starts to feel a little bit more real. And I think this, you know, really trying to break down some of the players uh, and trying to sort out, you know, things to look for from an improvement standpoint and, uh, you know, further put into context some of the things that Archie said about roles on the team and, and things like that, um, you know, make it seem more real that the season truly is uh, right around the corner. And, and that's an exciting thing, no matter how you look at it. So it's, uh, you know, for me, each week that ticks by that we do this is one week closer to, to actual basketball happening. And uh, and that part is hard not to get excited about. Oh, man. Actual basketball. I cannot wait for actual basketball. And we don't have to wait that long for actual basketball. And we're going to get into some of those details here coming up. Because uh, the first thing that we're going to talk about this week is Hoosier Hysteria. We've got uh, some details for you on that event. Plus, we'll talk about what we're going to watch for in that event. And then we're doing our backcourt preview this week. So we're going to go in-depth on the guys who are going to be handling the ball the most. We will start out with the old guys, Robert Johnson, obviously, along with Josh Newkirk and Zach McRoberts. And then we'll also break down the new guys, Devontae Green, Curtis Jones, Al Durham, and talk about what those guys need to do to get on the court and get meaningful minutes. And then if we have time at the end... We will take your questions. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio. And don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can watch the video replay or join our live broadcast by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. Also, this quick reminder, the next time you're looking for tickets to a sporting event or concert, Remember our friends at SeatGeek. You can download their app, which is incredibly convenient to have handy. Or if you're looking for IU basketball tickets especially, here is an easy-to-remember URL that will take you directly to the IU basketball ticket listings on SeatGeek's website. And that is iutickets.shop. Want tickets to Indiana's two exhibition games on October 28th and November 5th? Tickets are available for as low as $11 right now. Or how about the season opener against Indiana State on November 10th? Check out the latest ticket deals on the app or at iutickets.shop. And if it's your first time using SeatGeek, don't forget the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Use it when you make your first purchase, and you will get $20 back after that purchase. Again, the promo code is ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. All right, well, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, my co-host on The Assembly Call IU postgame show 
And Andy, let's talk a little bit about Hoosier Hysteria. Counting this episode, there are only two episodes left of the assembly call before Hoosier Hysteria, which is crazy to think about and exciting to think about. I had the great opportunity to talk with Jeremy Gray, Indiana's assistant athletic director, on this week's edition of Podcast on the Brink. And he gave us a lot of really uh, good details about Hoosier Hysteria. Some of the stuff we know. Uh, obviously, admission is free, but you're encouraged to bring a canned good. The doors will open at 5.30 Eastern time with the event beginning at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Now, one of the interesting details that Jeremy told us is that the football game will be on the big screen. Obviously, Indiana is playing Michigan State that day. The game starts at 2.30, so there's a good chance it will still be going on when the doors open. Well, if you're not going to the football game and you want to get to Hoosier Hysteria early, you can still track the Gridiron Hoosiers there from Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Uh, We did get confirmation that it will be streamed on BTN Plus. That is huge for folks like me, Andy, and people like you that don't live in Bloomington and can't get there, so we will be able to watch. Uh, You will need to pay for the BTN Plus subscription, but... Uh, Indiana's two exhibition games and the first game will likely be on there. So uh, you're going to need that BTN Plus subscription anyway. And then what I thought was the greatest quote was Jeremy essentially saying there's going to be less filler and more scrimmaging this time. And so it really sounds like, uh, you know, there's going to be maybe a little bit less of kind of some of the pomp and circumstance and a little bit more of getting down to the business of playing basketball. And we should see close to a 40 minute scrimmage. Uh, with the Hoosiers out there on the court playing. Uh, And I think I speak on behalf of all of us when I say that I am looking forward to that because I'm just looking forward to seeing some of the new guys and seeing this team out there for the first time in public playing some basketball. Uh, Andy, what are you looking forward to most when it comes to Hoosier hysteria? Yeah, I will say just to correct one thing, the uh, IU Michigan State game is a 3.30 Eastern time kick, at least based on what I'm looking at now. Oh, oh, okay. 3.30 uh, Eastern, not 2.30. In an ideal ideal world, although college football these days, perhaps three and a half hours to get through a game may not be enough. In an ideal world, it should be enough to uh, you know, wrap up, see the end of the football game, and then uh, and then basically roll right into Hoosier Hysteria. Uh, from my perspective, you know, I, I thought the, you know, kind of less filler, more scrimmaging, uh, you know, straight to business, uh, at least uh, an early uh, Archie imprint, I would say at this point, when you when you kind of look at it that way, based on, you know, his press conferences and, and just different media availabilities. Uh, I think the the practice seems to be uh, falling in line nicely with, uh, you know, with his general philosophy on things. And um, so, you know, for me, I, I think the, you know, looking, I think defensively will be a little bit hard uh, to gauge. I think these scrimmages uh, and you guys talked about this on the podcast. It can be a little bit hard to really draw any firm conclusions uh, from it because these often devolve into you know pretty sloppy basketball. <laughs> but um, you know, I think there's a, you know at least to see the, the beginnings of the defense and what they want to do philosophically. Uh, for me, it's it's more though about being able to see some of the players and and what uh, improvements they've made in the offseason. Certainly, seeing Deron Davis and and how they intend to use him uh, will be a big one. And and I also just think seeing different mindsets from the other guys. You know, talked about. You know, Juwan Morgan being more uh, more aggressive offensively and things like that. Do we see that in the scrimmage? Uh, how does Josh Newkirk look running the point? So, so to me, while I hesitate to draw huge conclusions from any of the player stuff, that that to me is the part that you're going to at least start to get some kind of glimpse of. You know, probably more so than uh, you know different schemes and, and things like that. Yeah, it's always important to uh, to not draw any conclusions from Hoosier hysteria. That's for sure. I mean, it's fun. Uh, and I think, look, all of the things that you mentioned, Andy, are going to be interesting. My favorite part of Hoosier hysteria is always seeing the new guys for the first time. So seeing Al Durham, seeing Justin Smith, uh, and certainly seeing Clifton Moore, who is a guy, as we mentioned last week, 
you know, found himself on NBA draft.net's, uh, you know, mock draft already for 2019. We've been hearing positive reports about him out of practice. And so it'll be really nice to see him, you know, in, in his cream and crimson, uh, out there playing and see what he can do. So it's always, you know, a fun night. And then obviously seeing the recruits that are there and seeing, uh, the excitement and the enthusiasm uh, and the welcome, hopefully, that the uh, that the knowledgeable IU fans will give those guys. That's always a fun part as well. Uh, and real quick, I do want to clarify that IU-Michigan State game is at Michigan State. So that game is not in Bloomington. Um, but you don't have to... You can obviously... If you were going to be watching the game at home, you can head to Simon Scott Assembly Hall, get there a little bit early, and you will still be able to uh, to catch the end of the game there on the big screen. Well, Andy, are you uh, are you ready to dive in and and do this and talk about your boy Robert Johnson with the ne- beginning Absolutely. with the next segment? Absolutely, no no better way to get into it. All right, well, we are going to give Andy a few minutes to compose himself to get ready, and when we come back, we are going to break down the senior season of Robert Johnson, and we'll talk about Josh Newkirk as well. That's next. Stick with us on the assembly call. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, my trusty co-host on The Assembly Call IU postgame show. And in this episode of Assembly Call Radio, we are breaking down the backcourt, previewing the backcourt for Indiana's 2017-18 season. And that means we start with senior guard Robert Johnson. He has played a lot of meaningful basketball for Indiana in his three years so far, and he will certainly be counted on heavily as a senior this year. And, you know, we've all kind of joked about it. I've, you know, really, I think back since his freshman year, kind of noticed the statistical similarities between he and another great guard in IU history, Greg Graham, and have have often lumped those guys together. And, you know, heck, even last year when they were both juniors, both Robert and Greg Graham averaged 12.8 points per game uh, as a junior. And so if we look at that trajectory and we hope that Robert can stay on the same trajectory, He will obviously have a great senior season because Greg Graham had one of the great senior seasons for a guard in Indiana history. He was terrific. His scoring went up to 16.5 points per game. He shot 51.4% from three-point range, 56.9% from two-point range, and 82% from free throw range or from the free throw line. And as we look now at Robert and what we can expect from him as a senior, you know, the thing about his 12.8 point per game average last year, which was up from, I think, 8.2 or 8.3 as a sophomore, is he took a lot more shots, more was kind of on his shoulders without Yogi there, and his efficiency dipped. So his three-point shooting actually went down from 44.7% to 37%. But his two-point field goal percentage actually went up. So he only shot 45.2% from two-point range as a sophomore. That was up to 53.5% 
Last year, his free throw shooting improved from 63% to 75% last year. His defensive rebounding improved too. So while he took a step back in terms of his three-point shooting, and certainly the eye test, especially in the middle part of the Big Ten season when guys were getting injured and a lot more was expected of him, he seemed to kind of wilt under the pressure. You know, in some ways, he did make some improvements as a junior. And now I think what everybody is hoping is that as a senior, his last go-around you know, with just an offseason to really focus and really plan for stepping into that leadership role and to being the go-to guy, that the results throughout this season will be better than what we saw in the second half last year. And so, Andy, I know you've got some numbers. I've got some additional numbers too. But I'd like to just get kind of your your introductory thoughts on your confidence level in Robert entering this season. Because last year was so up and down for him and it's so important that he be a rock on which this year's team can depend. Yeah, I mean, he started so well last year. I mean, so so many times we would get on the show and talk about what a great game he had and how good it was for the you know the Rojo fan club and all those kinds of things. And uh, you know, the, those last twelve games or so, he really struggled with his outside shot. I think he had shot the ball, you know, maybe not at uh, you know that that forty percent clip that he had been at uh, in in his sophomore season, but. Uh, but close to it and really dropped off down the down the edge. And I think like a lot of guys for the end of the season, just the the weight of everything that was going on uh, really took its toll on him having to be that bigger part of the offense and be a guy that, that they needed to rely on night in and night out. I think wore pretty heavily on him. And I uh, and I think in some ways that was good you know, practice, if, if you will, for uh, for this season, because the same thing certainly holds true. And, and hopefully he's able to look back uh, at having to play you know, a, a similar role to what he'll need to play this year um, in, in, and learn things from how he dealt with that pressure uh, and how he played and, and how, you know, he helped the guys around him. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely optimistic. You know, all the things that Archie has talked about in the offseason with him in terms of never seeing a guy as focused, um, I, I think is a good thing. I think the leadership piece is, is something they've talked about a lot with him and trying to get him to be more vocal that I think will be certainly hard for us to assess until they really get out on the floor. But um, definitely strikes me as the, you know, maybe the more silent lead by example type of guy. But I think, you know, they'll need him to do a little bit more than just that as we kind of, you know, put it, you know, kind of outside of the numbers. Like you said, we've got a lot of different stats we could look at. But but from my perspective, uh, he does need to be that rock and that consistent guy that they can rely upon. And uh, that may mean he leads the team in scoring. It may not. But there can't be a whole lot of off nights for him. Um, because even some of the numbers we have from last year would suggest that a, an off night from him uh, rarely uh, worked out well for the uh, for the end result for the team. Yeah, no, there's no question. And you know, one of the ways that I, I I wanted to look at these guys as we look ahead to the season is look at some specific areas where guys need to improve. And there are a couple that really stood out for me with Robert. So one has to do with his three point shooting. Uh, and look, you know, I really think he needs to improve his overall three point percentage, his overall efficiency while maintaining the gains that he experienced last year in terms of his two point shooting and his free throw percentage. I think that's going to be huge. And he especially needs to shoot better from downtown against good teams because, you know, Robert derives a lot of his offensive value from being able to make threes, especially catch and shoot threes. And he's going to have to do that this year in big games against good teams for this team to play well. Because if he doesn't come to play, if he doesn't accept that responsibility for production that Archie has talked about, Indiana is really going to struggle against the better teams on its schedule. And when you look at last year, and these are stats according to Ken Pomeroy, Robert actually shot... Uh, 
only 29.2% against Tier A opponents in 2017 from three-point range. So those are, I think, uh, basically the top 50 uh, in terms of opponents that he faced, and it's adjusted for home and road. But against Tier A opponents, he was less than 30% from downtown. And you look back to 2016, what he did, he was 48.6% from downtown against Tier A opponents. So he really stepped up in Indiana's bigger games. Now, obviously... That was a different season, different roster construction. You had Yogi Ferrell out there getting him open shot after open shot, and that didn't happen last year. So I think that's a big reason why we saw that dip. And the other place where Robert really needs to improve, I think, is in transition. Because according to Synergy Sports, and this number really surprised me, Robert was involved in 109 transition possessions last year, and his point per possession uh, number in those possessions was 0.789, which was in the 15th percentile nationally. He shot just 40% from the field and so really was unable to capitalize in transition. Now, he was very good in the half court. Uh, In fact, from a catch-and-shoot perspective, in unguarded catch-and-shoot situations, Robert scored 1.66 points per possession, which was in the 95th percentile. So that certainly matches the eye test, what we've all come to kind of expect from him. If he's open... And, and he's not off the dribble, it's a catch-and-shoot situation, he's almost always going to knock that down. And in fact, his point-per-possession rate of .974 in the half court was in the 81st percentile. So that shows you how big of a difference there was between his success in the half court and in transition. And we know that Archie wants you know to get out there and go and find transition opportunities. Well, Robert's going to have to be a guy who helps capitalize on those. So You know, Andy, when I look at Robert improving that three-point shooting against better teams and getting better in transition, I think, are two areas where he can really become more consistent as a scorer. And if he's going to be a guy who's scoring 15, 16, 17 points a game, I think those are two areas clearly where the numbers show he has room for improvement, and I think he really does need to improve. Yeah, the transition thing was really interesting because, as you mentioned, he shot really well on on two-pointers. You know, he was fifty, almost 54% for the year. Uh, based on what I wrote down, and even during that stretch in the toward the end of the season where he didn't play very well, you know, that last 12 games of the season, he shot really poorly from three-point range, um, but he was a little bit over 50% on twos in that case. So the transition thing was surprising to me. Now, what I think it might be um, is how many of those are pull-up jumpers. You know, Yogi had the, uh, you know, the patented, you know, pull-up, stop on a dime, shoot a three, and and I'm not so sure that some of Robert's issues in transition weren't those kinds of things where either he didn't get his feet set um, things like that, because as you, you know, shooting off the dribble, you, as you mentioned, the other stat shows you shot really well off the catch. So um, how you do some of those things. And I think one of the themes that I saw really with the uh, with the entirety of the backcourt was they all had really uh, pretty low free throw rates as you as you went. And, you know, free throw rate yeah. is basically, you know, the the ratio of free throw attempts to field goal attempts. And he was a guy who was really low. And I think when you go back and start to look at you know what Archie Miller is going to want from guys, uh, I think that's something that you know, we'll, we'll kind of probably beat into the ground by the end of the show for all these guys, because, uh, of the four returnees, like none of them really, um, you know, do very well in that regard. So I think, you know, if some of those pull up threes or pull up jumpers turn into, um, you know, more aggressive drives to the basket as he would like, I think that helps the free throw rate. Uh, that's an area where Robert shot pretty well from the free throw line, uh, you know, about 75%. A year ago, um, but his free throw rate, yeah, it was just fourteen point seven a year ago. So that's that is really so low, low. <laughs> and and the lowest of even of his career. So I think, yeah. um, I think again, it's trying to balance that out. I mean, he took more threes than twos, um, not by a wide margin, but I think that's something that yeah, you'd probably like to see 
uh, you know, even itself out a little bit more than it, than it did before. So definitely, definitely interesting stats. And, and when you kind of look at them on the surface, it doesn't make sense when you compare that transition, uh, number to the two point percentage. But I think as you think a little bit more about, uh, as painful as it, is, as it is to go back and think about how some of these games played out, I think you could start to, uh, start to piece together how, how those two things might've happened in tandem with one another. I don't want to think about them. I don't. Yeah. Uh, I prefer not to as well. <laughs> You're listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Robert Johnson, Indiana's senior leader and a guy who's going to be expected to shoulder a lot of the scoring burden. Uh, Andy, you mentioned free throw rate, and I've got some interesting numbers uh, about guards under Archie Miller and what their free throw rates have been because it's a stark contrast uh, to, obviously, what they were last year and what they've been under Tom Crean, although Yogi had a decent free throw rate, um, but still not as high as the guards under Archie. Before we get to that, though, do you have any other numbers uh, on Robert or just any other thoughts on him as we enter his senior season about, you know, kind of what he needs to do to take the next step. Cause one thing we haven't talked about a lot yet is defense. And, you know, when I looked at both he and Josh Newkirk, uh, you know, according to synergy sports, I know this is going to shock you, Andy, but for a team that played really poor defense, two of the guards that were on the court the most, they were both rated as below average defenders last year. And obviously that needs to improve. Well, let me pick myself off the floor here for a second and then we can No, I think, you know, uh, you're definitely right about that. I think the turnover rate is is another one for really all these guys. Uh, the one thing that I thought was was interesting when I look back through, and then we can transition to Newkirk, is uh, basically look through the game log of of games that he had an offensive rating of at least 100. So that's kind of like your baseline, uh, you know, what you'd use. So in the 19 games that he had an offensive rating of at least 100, IU was 14 and five. In the 15 games where he was lower than 100, they were four and 11. Uh, and a lot of those, you know, rough games came later in the season uh, when he really didn't play all that well down the stretch. And those, you know, 12 games I talked about in those 12 games, he scored in single digits seven times after doing that just twice in the first 22 games. So, um, you know, I, I think last year for as much as maybe he wasn't uh, a, a guy who was looked at in the same way as some of the other uh, guys who are now in the NBA, um, you know, this team kind of went as he went. Uh, and, and that was more because last year he was giving them a complimentary piece that was playing well. This year, this team is going to go as he goes, but because he's going to be a focal point. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. And, you know, it's funny you think back to last year. I mean, he was so bad. I mean, I remember the game at Iowa. He was just terrible. And then you had that kind of oasis there at the end of the year against Ohio State where he just explodes for 20-some points. And, and look, it's just, it's got to be consistency with him this year. You know, he's got to lead, you know, Tom Crean, you know, made some public comments about his junior guards, you know, not, not leading last year and that can't happen. And, you know, Archie has already spoken glowingly of Robert's leadership. You have to think, you know, obviously he, he got some feedback from NBA scouts and I'm sure he's taking that seriously. So, you know, we've seen a lot of guys in the history of Indiana basketball and, and look throughout college basketball and throughout college sports, really come through as seniors. And that's what, to me, gives me confidence about this team is I know there's a lot of question marks, but Indiana's got some experience and they've especially got some experience in the backcourt with Robert and Josh Newkirk, guys who are going to handle the ball a lot, take a lot of big shots, play a lot of minutes. You know, these guys aren't going to wow you and they may not be NBA players and they may not be first team all Big Ten players, 
but I really think they're going to be guys that can be counted on this year. And that's the key. They have got to be guys Indiana can count on that accept that responsibility for production and bring it every night. Uh, and if they do that, I think Indiana's got a chance to be really good. And I think it all starts with Robert Johnson and his ability to lead this team, take and make big shots, uh, and just be that rock on which they can count. And hopefully he's ready to do that as a senior, uh, because if he is, I think he can have a really good season. You know, I, uh, you know, real quick, Andy, we've got, uh, I don't know what, like 30, 40 seconds left in this segment. I think, I think Robert's going to be second team all Big Ten. I think he's going to surprise people. I think he's going to have a good season, put it all together. And I think when Indiana finishes, you know, around fifth or sixth, like I think they're going to finish in the Big Ten. I think he'll be a big reason for it. What's your projection for him this year? Uh, I think that's, I mean, that's probably the ceiling. I hope that's, I hope that's true. Um, but I think we're just going to have to get used to it. This team's going to win games differently than ones have won in the past. And I think that steadiness that you said about expecting from him is what they're going to need. Yep. No question about it. All right. Well, let's keep moving on. Let's keep talking about the guards on this Indiana roster. We will talk about Josh Newkirk and why free throw rate is a big number to look at for him. We will also talk about Devontae Green and Curtis Jones and what they need to do to get on the court and earn more minutes coming up on the assembly call. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join right now or whenever it's convenient to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then you really do need to be on our newsletter list. You will get our weekly six-banner Sunday news roundups as well as our post-game analysis emails once the season begins. It is all free, and it will make you a smarter IU basketball fan. Again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, my co-host on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And Andy, in our last segment, we talked about free throw rate. We kind of alluded to how all of Indiana's guards really need to improve their free throw rate, which is basically, uh, you know, you take, what's the formula for free throw rate? It is... Uh, basically, your free throw attempts divided by your field goal yeah. attempts. Yeah, free so throw... How often are you getting to the line in comparison to how often you're just taking a shot from the floor? Exactly. So, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I think basically Indiana's guards topped out at Josh Newkirk's, whose free throw rate was 24.2 last year. But when you look at Dayton guards under Archie Miller, look at their free throw rates. These are their lead guards the last six years. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, In 2017, Scoochie Smith, uh, 40.5. 2016, Scoochie Smith, 50.5. 2015, Scoochie Smith, 39.8. 2014, 36.6, 2013, 45.8, 2012, 40.1. So you can see the lowest free throw rate for the lead guard was 36.6. Now, you know, certainly we can understand why, uh, you know, a guard, you know, a guy like Josh Newkirk, who improved his free throw shooting uh, up to about 70% last year, why it would be a a benefit for him to get to the line more, because that's more opportunities for free points. You're getting the opposing team. Obviously, you're drawing more fouls. You're getting the opposing team into free throw trouble. Andy, do you think that's something that was specific to those players? I mean, Scoochie Smith was obviously a very good player, or is there something about Archie's system that lends itself to lead guards like that getting to the free throw line more and something that Indiana, uh, that we will see happen with our guards now this year? I thought I I mean Scoochie Smith was uh you know a smaller guy. I, I feel like some of the ways we've heard Archie talk about Devontae Green are some of the same things he probably would have said about Scoochie Smith, just a 
you know, kind of a, I think a city guard he talked about, um, and, and a smaller guy, but not afraid to really go into traffic. But I do think it's, uh, systematic where he really wants these guys to be aggressive. I mean, that's a, you know, you heard that from so many of the players, uh, you know, Juwan Morgan was, was saying that I know in particular during the, the media availability a couple weeks ago about, you know, they want me to be aggressive and take the space when it's there and drive to the basket. Um, I'm sure he's telling that to these guards to, to get people in foul trouble and, and things like that. And it's one of the things that, you know, we struggled with, you know, in past seasons where IU didn't really have a, if they were shooting threes really well, that was great. But if not, there really wasn't a, a clear backup plan, I guess you'd say in terms of, um, you know, in terms of how they were going to score points. And so I think this to me is a, you know, kind of baseline way to, to get your guys involved and be aggressive. And I think that aggressive mentality that he wants from a defensive perspective carries over a lot to what he wants offensively. Uh, and certainly, as you talked about before, you know, to kind of transition opportunities and things like that, really trying to push the ball. Uh, I would not anticipate seeing a lot of pull up jumpers uh, in transition situations as we have in the last couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, look, the other thing that Josh Newker is going to have to improve is his assist turnover ratio. I mean, last year he had an assist rate of 19.8% and a turnover rate of 23.8%. And you just, your offense is not going to function well when your lead guard, a guy who handles the ball that much, is turning it over that much more than he's getting assists. And so that is something that as a senior, Josh Newkirk is going to have to improve on. And if he can do that and, and make a higher percentage of his possessions uh, you know, successful than he did last year and improve that free throw rate, then I think he's got a chance to really improve, especially if you know his catch-and-shoot ability. I mean, he, he shot the ball very well from three-point range last year after kind of a rough start. Uh, you know, really got that going. If he can keep that and improve what he's doing and obviously improve on the defensive end, that's going to go a long way. Before we get to the young guys, before we get to Devontae Green and Curtis Jones, let's also mention Zach McRoberts real quick, and we don't know what kind of role he'll have on this year's team. But I will tell you, Andy, and, and you tell me if you agree, for him to get minutes, he has got to be able to make open shots, plain and simple. I mean, that to me is the number one thing for him because we know he's going to hustle. We know he's going to play defense. You know, he'll be in the right place because he's a smart player, but you can't be just playing four on five when he's out there. And last year he kind of looked scared to shoot. It looked like his mechanics just went all kinds of haywire, but you know, you look back at his numbers at at Vermont, he's an okay shooter. He's got to at least be a little bit of a threat if he's going to get on the court. Yeah, I totally agree because I think he'll do the things that Archie wants him to do defensively. I mean, he was one of few guys who showed, um, you know, that kind of awareness a little bit like, you know, we would talk about with Colin Hartman a couple years prior. Uh, and so, but yeah, there, there were definitely times when he was so reluctant to take, um, you know, to take an open shot and they need to find a way to get his confidence back up with that part of his game. That's for sure. You are listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy bottoms, and we are continuing our breakdown of the Indiana guards for the 2017, 18 season. And that's, we just talked about the old guys. We talked about Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk and Zach McRoberts. Let's shift our attention a little bit, Andy, and talk about the younger guys, because I think a lot of people are excited to see what Devontae Green and Curtis Jones can bring this year. You know, they're guys who, they were really up and down last year, and that's not, you know, that's going to happen with freshmen. You know, and neither guy was a five-star guy coming in, so no one expected them to just come in and take over and, you know, be a starter like Yogi was. So you expected some ups and downs. And... You know, while the downs were frustrating, you know, there were some ups that were really, really encouraging, like obviously what Curtis Jones did against Kansas and some of the, you know, some of the moments Devontae Green had where I think I remember the first half of the Rutgers game where he came in. It was just like a flurry of good play after good play. And 
it's going to be really interesting to see what these guys can bring. I don't think either guy is going to start, especially right off the bat. Uh, but what can they bring coming off the bench? And I think let's start with Devontae Green because I think defense is going to be what gets him on the court. You know, I mentioned how Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk, according to Synergy Sports, were both below average defenders last year, which should surprise nobody. Well, Devontae Green actually rated as a good defender last year. And the the way that they calculated that is basically in 150 possessions that ended with his man having the ball, Devontae allowed just 0.82 points per possession, which was in the 62nd percentile. So not great, but good. And on a terrible defense, you know, just being good is actually saying something. And he actually had the second highest steal rate on the team at 2.6%, second only to OG's three. And so I think if he can come in and be a guy who harasses opposing guards, makes it difficult for them to score, you know, create some offense with turnovers like we saw last year, that's what's going to get him on the court. And I think earn him minutes. And I think he'll obviously be a rotation player starting out. And then if he can improve that assist turnover ratio, same as Newkirk, I mean, Look, Devontae's assist rate was 11.8%. His turnover rate was 28.8%, which just can't be. But if he can get that into a more reasonable range and keep shooting well, because he shot 43.6 from downtown last year after ending on a 10 of 15 or 10 for 15 flourish at the end of the year, he can really be a valuable piece of the puzzle. So I think either way, he's going to have value on defense. But if he can get more consistent and be a better decision maker on offense, he's a guy that I would not be shocked to see starting later in the year. I'm not predicting that, but it wouldn't shock me because I think defensively he's going to have the kind of mentality that Archie wants. Yeah, I think at some point in the offseason we were talking about projecting starting lineups. I think I projected him in mine um, because I think he does... Uh, you know, he seems to fit the mold of a lot of the kinds of guards that Archie has had lately. Now, I, if you ask me that question today, I don't think he would be uh, in the starting lineup. I think Newkirk would based on some of the comments that, that Archie has made. But uh, as you said, you know, the potential is certainly there. We saw that defensively. We saw from the moment he committed when he said he wanted to be the best you know, defender in the league uh, and, and one of the best ones in the country, that that's an, an area of focus for him. And um, you know, that there, there's probably is no better way to get on Archie Miller's good side than to really focus defensively. So, uh, I think that's good. And, and like you said, I, I was, I had kind of forgotten again, perhaps I, I forcibly removed memories of the season from, from my mind, but, um, how well he shot down the stretch. I mean, there was a seven game stretch, um, before that Georgia tech game to end the season where he had made at least one, three in seven straight games. And, and he was 12 of 18 from three, uh, during that, during that stretch. So, um, while it was on a pretty limited number of attempts, uh, I, I do think he showed the ability to make shots. And and I, I think he is a guy who uh, Archie will easily be able to convince to be to be aggressive. And just some of the things he said about him, I, I get the sense that that Archie really likes him and what he has to bring. And I think he's going to, you know, in, in a backcourt that's not very deep, uh, they're going to have to get something out of these guys if this team's going to be even remotely successful because there just aren't a lot of other places to turn. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, continuing our breakdown of the IU backcourt. So that's Devontae Green. Let's talk about Curtis Jones, who I think in some ways may be even more of an enigma. And I have oscillated all offseason between officially declaring myself president of the Curtis Jones fan club uh, to being terrified and wondering how he's going to be a consistent player. Just when you look back at what he did last year, uh, and I, you know, like there's just things about him I worry about. You know, I worry about his shot mechanics. I think you know, you watch him even in some of the off-season workouts. You know, his feet aren't consistent, and that 
you know, and I think that's a big part of the reason why his shooting wasn't consistent last year. And so it's going to be really interesting to see if that is improved, if his confidence is improved, and hopefully it is with added strength. And he was obviously around all summer. So, you know, I have really high hopes for Curtis. I just don't know how much confidence to have. And so he's kind of a guy that that scares me a little bit. Like, I think he could be kind of like a sixth man, you know, microwave scoring guy off the bench for this team if all goes really well. But I think, you know, look, he's going to have to score, I I think, to be really valuable for this team. And the scary part about that is last year, his offensive rating of 99.7 for the full year, and you mentioned earlier, Andy, how 100 is kind of a baseline. Well, he was less than that for the full year. That was actually the worst on the team. It was lower than Freddie McSwain. It was lower than Zach McRoberts. That's not good. You know, he shot 35% from three and shot 35% from two. Also not good. So, you know, the hope is that with added strength, with hopefully more consistent mechanics on his jumper and just increased confidence, that the guy that we saw against Kansas is the guy that we can see more often. Now, here's something that surprised me and gave me a little bit more hope about Curtis's ability to be a productive two-way player this year and moving forward in his career is, you know, I talked about Devontae Green's defense and the numbers according to Synergy Sports. Well, Curtis's defense was actually pretty encouraging too. In 96 possessions, his man only scored 62 points, which was in the 94th percentile. Now, that only counts possessions where your man ends with the ball, you know, and takes a shot or ends up with a turnover. So, you know, obviously we know he got lost off the ball and he was not a perfect defender by any means, but that is still a pretty impressive number and shows, you know, what his, you know, his length and his activity can do. So, you know, I think Curtis is going to have to continue playing that level of defense, but he's going to have to make shots. And I think Indiana is going to really need him to be a scorer. And I just, at this point, I want to have confidence. I want to believe. I just, I struggle to do it. I I guess I just want to see it uh, before I'm ready to jump in all the way, you know, two feet first. Yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. You know, when you start to trying to think about, you know, guys who in the past he might remind you of, I mean, to me, he was a little bit of uh, early period Rod Wilmot where he just came on the court and there wasn't ever a shot that was out there that he didn't like. But you saw the athleticism and you saw some of it and eventually he was able to put it together. Um, you, you certainly hope for for Curtis that he can do that. And like you said, though, I, I think it's it's reasonable um, to, to question that because. You know, he was a guy, again, low free throw rate. He was at 23%, which is better than most. But, um, you know, he shot it well from the free throw line, 72%. But he took 60 of his 108 field goal attempts from three-point range. For a guy who I don't believe uh, came in as a a particularly, you know, highly regarded three-point shooter. Now, the flip side of that is he shot basically the same percentage from three as he did from two. So, uh, you know, I guess you might as well just, you know, roll the dice and, and do that. But I do think just shot selection in general and decision-making will be big for him. I mean, I feel like it's the same thing about all these guys where we could have just, you know, swapped the names out and said they need to not turn the ball over and make better decisions and get to the line more. And we could have saved ourselves about 30 minutes probably of doing it's that. It's almost, it's almost like there were systemic guys. problems on last year's team. <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost like that. Oh man. <laughs> So disappointing thinking back to last yeah. season. Um, yeah, that's the only bad part. I, in my opening, I was like, yeah, oh, this is exciting to talk about this. And then every once in a while, you just kind of drag something up from a, a time that you wish never happened. I know. Well, and it is frustrating when you think because uh, you're right. You know, a lot of the things we're saying for these guys are the same. And they, you know, kind of goes up and down the roster last year. So many of the same problems that didn't get fixed. Hopefully with a new voice, a new season, new leadership, some of those issues, those recurring issues will change. 
Let's talk real quick about Al Durham. Uh, he, the freshman, obviously, not a guy that I think a lot of people are expecting a lot out of. I think people expect Justin Smith to get minutes. Obviously, Clifton Moore has increased everyone's confidence about his ability to get minutes. But you know, you see Al Durham, obviously a freshman. He's behind these four guards that we've talked about. To me, the way that he gets on the court and sees minutes is to defend. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to play long stretches, but. I think if he's a guy that can get in there, maybe be a a tone setter if the defense isn't quite what Archie wants one game or if someone gets in foul trouble or if Archie just thinks he needs a little bit of a change. If Al can get in there and harass guys, play good defense, get some steals, you know, in some ways do what Devontae Green did last year, uh, although probably in fewer minutes, I think, than what Devontae got last year. I think that'll be a really successful season for Al and give him, obviously, he'll he'll have time now to work on his shot and develop some of the skills that he'll need to be a more consistent part of the rotation. Uh, but to me, for him, it all comes down to defense. And I think if he's showing in practice that he's the kind of defender that he was in high school uh, and that it sounds like, you know, I mean, when I talked to him and, and did the interview with him uh, earlier this offseason on the assembly call, that it sounds like he wants to be, I think Archie will reward him with some minutes. I just don't know how many there will be and really how much we should expect from him, especially from a scoring standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I think as you tie that together with Curtis Jones, I think he's a guy that would be right there willing to to pick up those minutes if we don't see that level of improvement from Curtis. Because um, I do think he's going to come in with that defensive mentality. Uh, I think from a, you know, struck me from the things that I've read about him as a relatively aggressive guy um, going to the basket. And as a guy with a little bit more length, uh, while certainly he's going to have to work into the, the strength component of things, um, some of the length he has might help him finish a bit more inside as, as he's being a bit more aggressive. So, um, yeah, that, that I would say the same thing. I mean, he's going to get on the court because of his defense. Um, how long he stays there will be dependent upon, you know, how his offensive game comes along. But uh, the path to him to get playing time is definitely on the defensive end. So <clears throat> we'll get we have a few Twitter questions. We'll get to those in our next segment. But just final thoughts on the backcourt, Andy. I mean, Look, you always feel good when you enter a Big Ten season with a couple of seniors that you can count on. And I think we all expect, you know, Robert to be more consistent this year than he was last year. I think Josh Newkirk was a guy that, you know, I don't know, loathed seems like too harsh of a word. But, I mean, the fan base was definitely frustrated with him. I think the, the I think Keen fans understood that Josh was in a tough position and maybe being asked to do things he wasn't ready to do early in the season and needed some time to transition and that he wasn't going to be Yogi Ferrell. I mean, it would have been hard for any point guard to succeed playing in the shadow of Yogi Ferrell. And to his credit, he really got better toward the end of last season. I think a lot of IU fans took notice of that. So that gives me confidence having those two guys because I think they will both be better. And look, I think Devontae Green and Curtis Jones are two really good guards to have coming off the bench because they're young guys. They've got potential. I think they've still got room to make big leaps. I mean, I think those guys, we could look at the end of the season and say, wow, Devontae and Curtis got a lot better. You know, they smoothed out the rough edges, got more confident. And so I think one of the reasons why people are sleeping on Indiana is I think people are underrating this backcourt. It's not sexy. It's not filled with all Americans. You know, maybe it doesn't have any guys that are going to go to the NBA, but I think there's potential there. And I think if those questions get answered how we think they're going to get answered, this Indiana team has a chance to be better than what a lot of people think. And so I, I feel good about them. How do you feel about the guards entering the season? I, I think it, it's it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, it's not a deep group where you really know what you're going to get from, from really hardly any of them, I, I would say. Um, but I, I do think they're ultimately the key to the season because 
the issues that that IU had coupled with the things that Archie has talked about valuing in terms of defensively being able to put pressure on the ball at the point of attack and offensively making good decisions and not turning the ball over, that all starts with the backcourt. So uh, I think, you know, as I said, you know, kind of finishing up with Robert Johnson, I mean, as he goes, this team's going to go. I think you could probably say the same thing about the backcourt. Um, I, I do think uh, if if Robert Johnson doesn't have the kind of season that IU needs him to have, I'm not sure there's somebody that's right there willing, able to step in for him. I think if Josh Newkirk struggles, I do think Devontae Green uh, could pick up the slack from that. So I think as you look at those two guys and kind of the importance level, I guess that's how I would say the depth shakes out in terms of who uh, maybe is more uh, replaceable or there's at least a, a a clear substitute for than the other. Yep. Agreed. All right, we'll stick with us here on the assembly call. We've got some questions from you that you submitted on Twitter, and we will answer those next, along with any lingering thoughts on the backcourt. That's coming up on the assembly call. You are listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, my co-host on the assembly call IU post game show. Andy, we've got a few questions. Let's hit these rapid fire style. Uh, Derek asks, could we see a surprise player get more minutes than we think because of emphasis on defense? And who would that player be? And we kind of covered this in our last segment. Um, so who do you think that player would be if it's a surprise based on defense. I don't really know if you could qualify, if you would qualify Devontae Green as a surprise, but maybe you could say he'll get more minutes than we're kind of projecting generally now because of his defense. Um, and if you can, that would be my answer. Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought of this maybe more from the freshman perspective, and I think it'd either be Durham or maybe Justin Smith. Just I think Justin Smith, from an athleticism standpoint, really being able to, um, you know, keep talented wing guys in front of him. But uh, I think Durham, just because of the depth of the backcourt and, uh, a little bit his at least reputation or, or whatever you want to say coming in, I think are are the two that stood out for me. But I think Devontae could get more minutes than we think because of that. But I think he's already got a, you know, he'll be he, likely the first guard off the bench. So probably not a, a total shock there. Yeah. Uh, Val says, how about the as expected lame way the NCAA has responded to the college basketball scandal? Condoleezza Rice, SMH. Um. Uh. I, I don't know what to say about this. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous, and it seems pretty clear that the NCAA just wants to kind of have this dog and pony show and not really figure anything out that's going to change anything because the system's working too well for too many people uh, who give the NCAA their power. So I just don't see how with the people that they have on the committee, which doesn't include a whole lot of people who actually know what goes on behind the scenes, I don't know how they really expect change anything. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's one of those where, it, it, you know, because the answer to this might be something that uh, upsets the apple cart for them in terms of the amateurism model and things like that. It is uh, it is a little bit hard to believe that any kind of major change is going to come out of that. I think they're perfectly willing to sit back, let the FBI stuff play out. And if their hand is forced as a result of that, then they can kind of pin it all back that way. Yep. All right. Uh, Scott says, in the spirit of Archie's no-nonsense approach, uh, will we get rid of the This Is Indiana, the This Is Indiana rap song at home basketball games this year? I would assume so. Uh, I am not one who badmouths This Is Indiana. Uh, I love that song. I actually used to pregame with that song before games. I'm not a big fan of it now uh, because, to me, that song 
really, really fit the beginning of the Tom Crean era. Like, I just think kind of the the hope and the optimism of it, and even to a certain extent, kind of the cheesiness of it. Like, you know, I, I don't I don't really mean this as a negative, but there was a little bit of a cheesiness kind of to to some of the things Tom Crean did. And I think they were endearing, especially in the beginning. Uh, but I think now that song just doesn't seem to fit what it kind of what it's going to take to get Indiana to the next step. And it doesn't really seem to fit Archie Miller. So I would say, yes, I don't know what the perfect new song would be, but I would certainly expect there would be something new. Uh, Andy, your final thoughts on this is Indiana. Well, I can hardly fit them in in the time we have left. No, I think, I mean, I would imagine you wouldn't see it. I do think like Jeremy said, they shortened the intro video. And so I think it will be a little bit more of the no nonsense and take some of that, uh, that part out of it. Yeah. Uh, and finally, someone asked us what our record is in games that we have attended. Andy, obviously, we're 2-0 and together during the Assembly call trip. In our final 10 seconds, you want to wager a guess on your all-time record? Uh, I could not guess. I would guess winning percentage maybe in the 75% range if, based on my time there in school. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. IBM Cloud offers millions of different server configurations with 20 terabytes of bandwidth cost-free. Get the compute power you need and deploy on demand, but at prices set for smart cost management. Visit ibm.biz slash bare metal servers to customize your server today.